sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. It is day two, hour 13, and I am one of your co-hosts, Jack Bauer, super fan. Jack Bauer, kind of uncomfortable fan, Mike Cushing. <laughs> and I am another one of your hosts, 24 newbie, Curtis Perry. And I am your third and final host, and a fan of Tony, I guess-ish. Yeah, t- Tony, I made a super fan. Michael Howard. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Well, fellas, um, welcome to hour thirteen. I, I want to talk to you. The I witching this is, hour. <laughs> we're not there yet. No, we're not there yet. You can't just. We can't just be in a witch's brew nonstop. It's not double trouble, toil and trouble. Um, I do want to say though, we I meant to talk about this last week. Before we dive in, we're halfway through this season now. Mm-hmm. I know. In season one, obviously the show was shot as almost two seasons, two half seasons. This one did not feel that way. Like, this is a cohesive story, but how, like, as a midway through the season, how are you feeling right now? I feel like things are about to change in a big way, but I don't know how. And Curtis, I'm curious how you think the season's going to take a, a hard right turn. I, I, I'm hoping that because they had the whole season, um, we're going to get our charismatic villain pretty shortly here. That's mm-hmm. the one thing I'm missing uh, from this part of the season that we had last season with the, the beloved Prince Ira. Shall you rest in peace? Um, rest in power, uh, Ira. You man. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe we're going to get give Jack a nemesis and I, I think we'll find out maybe who it might be by the end of this episode. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, because we don't uh, really have a big bad right now no we don't and that's even um, the kind of thing like syed ali is not an equivalent to no to ira Gaines. ira no. Gaines is such a perfect like tv villain well right. and then even above ira Gaines, you had uh the what were they russian Ukrainian? Well, we didn't we didn't even know about them until until right. the second half of the season that's and they true. were not they were not able to be jack's counterpart really ira was able to play that role uh, and then these guys came in, you know, that's just this revenge plot that didn't really go anywhere. But yeah, I, I, need I, re- that, I, need that, I need that anti-Jack. They tried to make it Nina, I think, but it's not really working. Ira um, had Jack's number the whole time and just like yeah. wouldn't take Jack's shit and like had him under his thumb and like up until he didn't. And that was like, <laughs> that was great. Like, but no one has that on Jack this season, which is upsetting. But yeah, just a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping it gets better. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want them to make me uh try to respect marie warner uh as a as a villain or nemesis because she's just annoying um so yeah let's get to something more interesting here pretty soon curtis i do have some spoilers the whole warner family they're gonna try to make you respect them and um i want you to fight the good fight and do your damnedest curtis really dig deep and try to not respect anyone in the warner warner family it's good. I, I think I can pull it off. I'm going to do my best. All right. Well, <laughs> fellas, uh, welcome to the 8 p.m. hour. We open up. It is 8.02. And uh, Jack takes a call from Tony Almeida to uh, brief him on the situation at the airport because uh, Jack and the CTU, CTU assault team are about 10 minutes away uh, from the airfield. And uh, Tony gives him some information about linking up with the assault team on the south side of the airfield. Um, and we see Kate Warner, Marie's sister, who is recently outed as a a real piece of shit terrorist. Uh, she looks very upset. Um, and Jack, of course, rather than focusing on the uh, mission at hand, 
asks about Kim and what uh, what Tony's doing to find out about her situation. Yeah, and Tony, um, I mean, what is he supposed to do? He just says, we haven't heard from her, so yeah. I don't really know what he you told, want me to do. Tony told the truth. Yeah, he did. That is, he said, we have, we, have, we have every available asset looking at Kim. No one's available. There's a goddamn nuke in LA, so <laughs> no one is looking for Kim. Yeah, he's and, basically like, I told the sheriff some stuff, so. <laughs> and so Jack's just like, Tony, Kim's not going to re- reach out to CTU because she knows she can't go back to LA because of the bomb. And LAPD is looking for her because she's a murder suspect, <laughs> which, again, the things that Jack Bauer chooses to say out loud in front of strangers <laughs> is like, it always shocks me. Like, he just... And, like, to her credit, Kate Warner does not respond to this at all. Like, she she knows that Kate, like, Kim has been in trouble, but she doesn't know that she was suspected of murder. And she yeah. just takes it, takes it on the chin. Yeah, I mean, Kate's she's having a, a day, though. True, I would say I feel like she's wrapped up in her own stuff a little bit, which is, I'll say, understandable, even though I was like, come on. Come on now. Come on. Come on now, Kate. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so, so Kate takes that one on the chin and, uh, Tony just says, uh, so Jack says, it's up to CT to find her cause Kim's not coming to us. So Tony says, I'll do everything I can to find her. And then we see Kim walking back to, uh, Lonnie played by, uh, Matt. I want to say Matt Dillon. Kevin, Kevin Dillon. Dillon. Kevin Dillon. Kim. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of those Dillons. The bad Dillon. He walks to Mr. Dillon's ca- cabin, and um, obviously and the first thing she says is just whining. Yeah, she's. I, How much my longer? notes were obviously she's complaining about the, the anything, <laughs> everything. Um, so she lets out a grunt of pain, and Lonnie's just says, "Maybe you should go see a doctor." But Kim just once again says, "I can't go back to L.A. because of the cops." The cops. Okay. Also. From what we find out about Lonnie later, he's like this basically prepper that wants to live off the grid in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And his suggestion is to take her to a doctor. Like, yeah, it's it's he doesn't weird. have first aid kits available. It's a weird like thing that this show does where like they have to represent Lonnie as a normal human being for right now. But like everything we learn about him later is just. Oh right, but like we have to get to the moment of actualization that like really ignites his character. I have like, met people like Lonnie before, though, and they are like Lonnie, the the real Lonnie at the very beginning. These people don't hide it. Well, that's what I'm saying though. For the show, yeah. like they had to do the reveal. Like right now, Lonnie is just a hunter in the woods. <laughs> like he has a cabin. He's a sure. cool dude. Yeah, he's Ron Swanson right now. It's not until. Probably minute 36 that we find out (laughs) Ronnie's true, true underground colors. Um, Hey, hey guys, I'm going to give some praise to somebody you don't think that I like very much because I don't like them very much. But uh, I'm going to give some big ups to to Kim here. Mm, In this scene? Yeah. Okay. So Kim's been with Lonnie for uh, five minutes now, five, ten minutes now. Mm -hmm. And she has only revealed that she's a murder, that she she is a... you know, being accused of a crime she didn't commit. She didn't tell him about the nuke yet. There's a... Mm. And... Give a hand. Five and whole minutes. she didn't say, the cops want me for murder. <laughs> like, or that, or that her dad... Or that her dad works for CTU. 
She didn't say, uh, the cops want me for kidnapping, murder, running a cop off the road, <laughs> leaving my paralyzed boyfriend in the police car. And, mm. like, she didn't say any of that. She just no. said, people in L.A. want me for something I didn't do. She didn't even mention, the, honestly, she never even mentioned cops. She just said, someone in L.A. wants me for something. Hey, man. That's so, that's the best Kim Bauer can do with a secret. Praise be. Um, so Lonnie doesn't really believe that lasts her about for like 15 minutes. Too. Shut up, Michael. I was trying to look, man. I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can yeah. with Kim. Well, apparently spilling those beans runs in the Bauer family. So Lonnie doesn't really believe her about not wanting to to like about why her reasons. But he's like, well, I get not wanting to go back to L.A. So that's fine. And he leads her to a small little cabin, which is well-stocked with firewood and well-lit. And we get a tiny clock. It is 8.03 and 40 seconds. Please take a drink. And um, we cut to the end rock where um, David Palmer, the president, has apparently gotten tired of watching an old man get tortured on TV and decides to go see it in person. Uh, so he <laughs> walks into... No, you know what? There's no comparison to a live game. Yeah. The, there's the nothing like live. You know, you grab like a hot live. dog. <laughs> you get, get your, the you get the just, organ player going. Yeah. Get your it's fifteen dollar beer and you just just post up. You get to see the brat man running around the the outfield. It's just it's just a you better get to see experience. the defibrillator race. Yeah. <laughs> so he walks into Roger Stanton, the now former head of the NSA's interrogation room, and uh, Roger Stanton is hunched over, like his head is hanging in his in his chest, and he's but he looks decent. See- he looks okay, but also seemingly asleep. Um, which he's a sleepy boy. I mean, he's an old man who's been tortured. I would also be taking a disco nap. Um, so David walks in and just stares at Roger, puts his hands on his hips and sighs, and just asks, "Is <laughs> like, well, are you willing to tell me everything I need to know?" And Roger just says nothing. And David looks at uh. Secret Service agent Teddy Simmons, who's in charge of the interrogation, and says, all right, go ahead. And David turns around to leave, and Stanton says, I knew about the bomb weeks ago. And David says, thanks, Teddy. You can leave. He says, what do you mean, new? And what did, what did Roger mean by new? He, they let everything happen. Yeah. yeah. They let the bomb into the country. They were They were basically... Their plan was to track it with Coral Snake, with Coral Snake, all off the books, and then at the last second, basically take the nuke so that it wouldn't go off. But then they would have control over over it, and um, yeah, it seems like so, more nefarious stuff that we find yeah. out later. Let's go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, no, it's weird. And then you know, David accuses him of trying to hijack his presidency. Yeah, so here's the here's so basically they have the special ops team, Coral Snake, tracking the bomb the whole way. They were gonna take it out at the last second. And David, with a very surprised voice and above a middle C, so please take a drink, mm-hmm. asked if Roger was starting to try start a war with uh the Middle East. And uh Santa just says, No, 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 no. Your defense policy is just too passive. We need more resources. <laughs> Which again is some real neocon horseshit um that <laughs> <laughs> and to his credit, Stanton gives a pretty good line here when David says, "You're trying to hijack my presidency." And what does Stanton say? No, oh, I'd like to, to give, give it some balls. balls. <laughs> <laughs> and like, we both it's, wanted it so bad. I'm sorry. It's just it's a great line. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this, like that old man, just kind of like fed up with your horseshoe, just like, 
I don't want to do that. Some balls would be nice, though. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, it just such a good old man who's, like, been through too much shit today in the last hour. Like, yeah, man, you've been torturing me. I also, you like... You suck, though. So, this is what I don't get, though. It It's literally been... He's been in office, what, like a year? 18 months at this point. 18 months? months? No, 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 probably a year. It's been 18 months since the last season, so this about a year. Primary. Yeah. So, he's only been in office for a year, and they're already planning... Like to let in a nuclear bomb to try and give his defense policies more balls. Like maybe try, maybe try talking to him first. It's been a, it's been a year. Yeah, it's like how how stringent can your defense policy really be in one? You're like that shit's gonna change. Yeah, how much could he have possibly changed it on the defense policy in a year? Yeah, I mean, like, Obama came in as a complete anti-war dude and began killing people almost immediately with drones. So. <laughs> but to be fair, robots. Um, so we got a tiny clock. We got a tiny clock. It's 806. Please take a drink. And we are back at the cabin where uh, Lonnie offers Kim the use of his shower to clean up while he prepares a, a fire. And um, I don't know about you guys. I'm obviously not a, uh, a young teenage uh, woman, but... No way in fucking hell would I take off all my clothes and walk into a stranger's shower in the middle of the woods. Well, he said there's a lock on the door, so... Yeah, how cool. Yeah, yeah I'm not doing that now. Nah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a mid-30s male. Blackmail at that. Fuck like, no. No, no you're chance. getting like a little a little splash shower, maybe. You wash your face. I, I might do a bird bath in the <laughs> sink with like a washcloth on my balls. That's yo, about it. Yo. That's prison, prison wash, you know, just yeah. wash the good bits. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. Um, but we so we see that and we cut back to CTU where Tony is talking to Michelle and informs her that Sayana Lee in, uh, revealed the names of three other second wave terrorists, second wave being the terrorist cell that is uh, probably from, F- from Afghanistan. Winky wink. We don't really know, but um, they are the ones responsible for this attack. And he orders CTU teams to go pick up each of them. And uh, George St- sorry, George Mason comes out of nowhere, kind of obviously off of his game, but comes in and informs the entire CTU team that we have confirmation from the NSA in Oregon via Roger Stanton's <laughs> <laughs> coerced confession that uh, the bomb is, in fact, located at Norton Airfield. And he tells every available field agent to get over there right now. <laughs> And uh, we get another tiny clock. Please take a drink. How Guys, you there's, think, so, there's so many clocks. I'll say, how are. big do you think Norton Airfield is? It appears to be fucking massive because every time they talk about it, it seems like it's the size of LAX. Right. And they have, apparently the plane has, we'll get into this, but the plane has five characters in its, in its tail number. Mm-hmm. They have three of them already. It's hardly enough. and. It takes them approximately, and it takes him, it takes him actually deciphering the note rather than just like maybe cross-referencing N34 blank blank with all of the airplanes in the, in the airport. It's kind of shocking how long it takes them to get there. Um, is is yeah. it though? Remember, remember how long it took Milo to get some, you know, do some phone trays? It, their systems but, are good. But to be fair... Even with compromised systems, so last year it took 45 minutes for uh, him to do, a Milo to do a phone trace. 
even with compromise systems, it took them 30 seconds to do in this season. Mm, You'd think to like crawl through a Excel spreadsheet for three <laughs> characters, they probably would have gotten well, it down. We found we find something out pretty critical later in the episode, Coach, that may, may have something to do with this. Very true. So, yeah. We'll get there. So we get a 10 o'clock. It's 8.07. Please take a drink. And we see the uh, CTU cavalry proceeding towards Norton Airfield. And uh, Jack receives a call from uh, George Mason, who tells him that there's a fun new wrinkle in the mission details. Um, and as George gets into this, we see him wrapping bandages around his horrible looking arm. Yeah, man. He's on some Kruger stuff on the arm game right now. Yeah. Um, you know, radiation poisoning. I you know, say so is the skin just falling off? That's what it appears. It is looks to happening? be just cracking and blistered. Like his arm was just a mess of like craters. It is that was... how is that how radiation poisoning works? I don't know. God, that's gross. I, I mean, it. Every movie and TV, it seems like it just makes your skin just like crack open, which <sighs> seems bad. It always, it always reminds me of that uh, that Family Guy episode where the Griffins get hit with nuclear waste and become superheroes and then Adam West jumps in and he's like did I get powers like you have cancer (laughs) (laughs) Adam West Um, (laughs) yeah indeed Um, so from Roger Stanton's uh, admissions to uh, David about Coral Snake and their involvement in the bomb we learned that they wanted to take down the bomb themselves and have since gone dark and they will brook no interference in anyone uh, coming in the bombs, and since they've been tracking it from day one, they seem best suited to uh, take down the bomb. But George tells Jack that there is a hostile U.S. paramilitary group between you and the bomb, Coral Snake, Colonel Ron, San- Ron Samuel's unit. And by the way, Coral Snake gets described like three or four different ways in this episode: either paramilitary mm-hmm. or like a Delta Force unit, or just like. An army, like, no one can, re- the writer's room had a hard time deciding what exactly Coral Snake was. They're yeah. everything. Any yeah. shady thing you've ever thought of, that's them. Hey, yeah. hey y'all. So, I- I'm trying to decipher this fucking plan here. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what Coral Snake's plan is, is even if a large group of people in 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 body armor and jackets with CTU or FBI or CIA in them are yelling federal agents trying to mm-hmm. stop a nuclear bomb... They're going to kill all of them, secure said nuke, and then go to the president and say, hey, we need more resources. Aren't we awesome? By the way, we killed all your resources in there. Please get yeah. some. So <laughs> the, more of them too. The way George says it is their objective is to take out the bomb themselves, treating anyone who impedes them as adversaries, and they've gone dark. And <laughs> my next note was, in all caps, guys, I'm starting to smell a fucking rat among these coral snake buttholes. <laughs> yeah, this seems odd. It's a it's an odd plan. Um, it's the dumbest plan. It's the- yeah. And so would so- you say that coral snake let second wave set us up the bomb how are you gentlemen <laughs> yeah so i would base. say that I, all your airfield are belong, belong to, us. to us um it's curtis how right now how are you feeling about coral snake um i mean they're setting them up like these 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 badasses um but i'm just yeah i'm confused as to what they really are like what their true intentions are 
Like it didn't make any sense to me. It's just like what is? I mean, if you if you see everyone as an adversary outside of the terror, like even the terrorists, it doesn't make any sense. Like how are you? How is it accomplishing anything for your group? So at this moment, I was starting to think that Coral Snake was there to take the bomb over. Like we've all seen uh, the Rock. I was about to say there it is. Mm-hmm. We've all seen the Rock. Mm-hmm. My brain was like, oh shit! So Colonel Rom Samuels is just Ed Harris in the Rock. He just wants a nuke to like affect like. Because he also wants to commit some balls to David Palmer's presidency, and he will take a nuke to do it. No, that was my he, brain he just, at this he moment. Wanted, he just wanted the monies. And Harris did. did. So, well, no. well, yeah. He did. Well, well, his his men wanted the monies. Ed Harris wanted some respect. He did want to put some respect on their name. Yeah. Um, um. But yeah, Colonel Colonel Sanders. Um. I'm just giving up, y'all. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Uh, Colonel Sanders <laughs> seems like, yeah, uh, he might be, you know, you know, he, he might have different plans because if he told that to a group of people, a cabal as it were, and they managed to buy it, this guy must be one snake slick tongue motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I'm go intercept a bomb. Okay. A nuke. Gonna stop it and present it to the president and say, we did this. We need more resources. Well, what if the FBI finds out about it before you kill him? Kill him all day. Okay. Kill him dead. Um, and then you're going to tell the president you did that? I mean, they'll probably figure it out from the weapons that were used in the murder, but whatever. We got yeah. it, all I mean, at this point, I, I honestly <laughs> think, uh, I think Coral Snake might be separate from the Cabal even. I think they have might have even their own agenda. No, I would watch, I would watch a YouTube channel that was just basically the scenes leading up to the scenes that we get to see, where they're explaining the plans. I think we need to start reading the 20... I think there are 24 comic books. I think we probably need to do that. I'm not, like I'm not that gonna, and... I'm not going to lie to you guys. I hope I hope one day to be rich enough just to... Like I have said it before, to be like part of a cabal. Not like serious. Oh, yeah. Just like to be in the room to be like, okay, you guys, it's conspiracy time. Yeah, fuck yes. <laughs> have you doing? considered buying everyone in the cabal a Nintendo Switch? <laughs> <laughs> we all want one. Everyone wants one. Dave, <laughs> I see you over there. You definitely want to switch. You're also not paying attention. Zelda, you know what's up. Um, so anyway, um, George just tells Jack that Coral Snake is somewhere at the airport, and our best bet is you need to get past them to get to the bomb. And um, he hangs up. Jack hangs up, and this- Kate looks over and asks him what's happening with Marie. Sorry, Michael, go ahead. See, this is another interesting question, though. It's like, okay, if if Coral Snake is going to get the bomb, mm-hmm. then doesn't it seem like a bad idea to then fight Coral Snake Coral to Snake. get the bomb? Because if you guys kill each other, then maybe no one gets the bomb. Mm-hmm. So David's point later is that CTU has overwhelming force and will kill Coral Snake, and then they'll also have enough people to get the bomb. <laughs> but but like again, if you're if you're busy fighting and Coral Snake or like the terrorists just set off a nuclear bomb like right. in an airfield, which is still inside of LA. <laughs> like, still bad. They still did a thing. <laughs> like they did it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, like I don't. It, it seems like Coral Snake is like made up of all hero units here, and they only have a Jack Bauer, right? Right. And from every movie I've seen, and you know, I mean, all the Fast movies, uh, you know, Predator, and, and tons of other action movies. If you get a small group of people committed, a small force can take out overwhelming, overwhelming lots of people. Ones. I mean, yeah. Bruce Willis murdered an entire terrorist league mm-hmm. three times. Couple of times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, though. Like, as far as the second wave group goes and, like, Marie's team, like, 
this the mere fact of blowing up a nuclear weapon on U.S. soil is a win. Like, yeah. even if you don't really kill a ton of people, like, the mere fact that you detonate, like, it could be in, like, anywhere. You could, it could be in the middle of nowhere. Blowing up a nuclear bomb and, like, an unauthorized nuclear bomb on U.S. soil is still a pretty good win. <laughs> yeah, everything would group. stop that day. Just all the things. We'd be like, okay, well, uh, fuck. Shit. Okay. Let's yeah. uh, let's all go hide somewhere for a while. That seems like it Message should be. Received. It should be the plan. Like if they get as close as they have now, they basically found them at the airfield. Instead of trying to get away with the bomb, just blow it up. Just blow it up. Like they yeah. have no problem killing themselves. Yeah, man. I don't know if you guys remember now when we were in college. There was a day when there was a blackout in New York, and the entire city just fucking shut. People didn't know what the fuck to do. They were I walking mean, in the streets with their hands up in the air, like, "Oh my god, it's over!" Because just the power was out. We spent weeks trying to put like uh, saran wrap and duct tape over our houses because uh, anthrax was in the mail. Like, oh, sure, that'll work. But yeah, so who knows? Um, so anyway, Jack hangs up and Kate asks him, what's going on with Marie? And Jack says, well, CTU can't find her. But luckily, our good friend Tiny Clock shows up and tells her tells us exactly where Marie is. And uh, we got a tiny clock. Fourth in tiny clock in nine minutes. Yeah. yeah. yeah 8.09. And uh, we see the case containing the armed nuclear bomb placed into the back of a small plane. And Omar, uh, the terrorist, instructs Marie uh, on directions on how to escape the airfield. And uh, she goes to leave the hangar when while he climbs into the plane. And she sees the arriving police caravan. And she turns to warn Omar. Whoopsie. And... Whoa. And then uh Do we think we that Omar back- and Marie had a thing? I don't think so. They seem like they had a thing. I think if anything, Marie and uh Said Ali had a thing, but I think Marie just used her sexual wiles on everyone to kind of just like <laughs> I, I don't think she's unable to talk outside of like the wispy register. So it's mm, like always fair. like she's having a thing. So it just with seems like a thing. Yeah, yeah, like I, I saw the faculty this week actually again. Um <laughs> this actress and she's not able to go anywhere outside of that. So it's always yeah. like, are you do you want to do it? <laughs> I know the kids are aliens and maybe we're aliens too, but do you want to fuck? <laughs> Is that what kind? Are you sending me those signals? Essentially. I'm feeling pretty good about this. I don't know about you. Um, so anyway, uh, we cut back to the CTU caravan and Jack uh, hauls Kate out of an SUV and asks if she's willing to stay and help identify Marie, which she says, yeah, sure, why not? And um, Jack turns to Agent Baker to accompany uh, Kate to the secure area, and then what we meet... What level is Daniel Day Kim at? Agent Baker, because he goes from being, like, the head of a He's an errand boy. He's a fucking To then all of a sudden is like, oh, hey, escort Kate to the secure area. Oh, sure, Jack. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> Michael, the level he's at is he's the one dude that Jack, <laughs> who Jack knows his name. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much it. Baker, you, yeah, I know your name. You know, Come there are here. 17 other people lower than me on the totem pole over here. Yeah, but I don't know their fucking name, okay? Yeah, I know, I know the Asian literally Baker, dozens so I'm gonna need of it. To do it. All right. Get after it, friend. Uh, well, then we meet a new person who Jack... <laughs> immediately uh earns respect for it's lieutenant steve goodrich the head of the assault team and uh is jack racist i think jack What's might it? be racist a little bit um also I mean, guys guys i i love this guy's name steve goodrich good goodrich right <laughs> yeah. is it is the next level of that like is it bad poor or great wealthy i mean it's good uh, to be rich 
I think Tom Baker is is bad poor. <laughs> um, so they start discussing like the infiltration and discussing the profiles of the entire Cole Snake team, and uh, Jack then gathers all the CTU like tactical agents and briefs them on the situation. We have armed hostiles, big bad airfield, nasty old nuke with a whole bunch of Delta Force commandos hanging out. Um, which again, Delta, like Coral Snake gets a couple different descriptions this week. And, um, and like everyone just takes this in stride that there are like Delta Force commandos just like chilling somewhere to kill them. They're like, all right, cool. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah, this is what um, we're trained for as a CTU to fight. And to be, f- military. to be fair though, I remember reading a bunch of stats like recently where like LAPD SWAT teams like outperform Delta on like some tactical shit in, oh. on like, like, Training classes. Well, some stuff. of the guys, some of the folks who are in those um, units are the ones who come back and do SWAT team work. That's why that happens. Right. Same with CIA. Right. Like they they'll, they'll transfer them over from from Delta or Navy SEALs to to do that work because well we know you, you're good at killing so yeah, you're good at it. Get over yeah. here. I do have to say that the um the speech left a little bit to be desired. Like I expected maybe like a like a Pullman in ID four. It's kind of what I appreciated about it. That which actually just like hey man. There's people here who want to kill us. There's a bomb that's going to kill everyone. We're here to kill both of those groups. Let's go fucking do it. And then, like, they just all put their hands in, give a high five, and then just fucking roll out. You know what I noticed, I, though? There, it was all dudes. They didn't bring one lady with them on the murder on the murder mission. Come on, yeah. y'all. Come well, on, they, do y'all. Have, they do have one Kate. No, no. They do have no, one Kate. No, have Kate, one Kate, need, Kate. I don't even know why Kate's there. I, I don't get it. Yeah, but this, this was definitely 2002. It was before SWAT with Michelle Rodriguez. The first female SWAT officer, as far as I recall. It's true. Um, it was based on a true story. Yeah. So they roll out. It's uh, it's kind of like eight. how Magic Mike was based on Channing Tatum's life. Mm-hmm. SWAT was based on Michelle Rodriguez's life. I kind of believe that she might have actually been a SWAT officer and killed I multiple, 100% multiple people before yeah. she became a, a stunt driver for Fast and Furious. I would buy it. <laughs> I actually do believe that. So we cut to commercial. It's 812. We come back. It's 816. On a split screen, we see Tony on the phone. We see Marie Warner kind of looking panicked in a uh, air airport hangar. We see Kim looking a very different kind of panicked mm. with a uh, horrible prepper. And uh, then we see Roger Stanton with his head hanging, probably considering what spending an hour with his feet in a water tub is going to do to his toes. Probably bad. Very probably gonna be bad. Very very briny. Toes. And uh, we cut to see to you where George Mason informs Tony that they have a little problem. A higher up named Brad Hammond from Division is coming over to shut down the entire LA branch of CTU. They can't wait run. like four hours. Yeah, it's just it's one of those in the middle of the night. It's eight it's, o'clock at night. Like of all the C plots in these shows, like this is the dumbest one. It's just like we're gonna come shut you down, and like Tony just like, hey, we're up and running. We're <laughs> we're totally done with being blown up. We're over it. They can uh, also just do work at Division too. You right, have to shut like, one down to do work at the other place. As they mentioned, everything on like the CTU servers is mirrored at Division. Um, just and, both but, work. Yeah, but Tony just says, "I don't have time to give these idiots at Division <laughs> the grand tour." And Georgia says, "Well, we got to deal with it." Um, so we get another tiny clock. <laughs> it's eight seventeen, and as we get that tiny clock, we also get a super gratuitous nipple mm. shot in a white tank top. That as was, uh, isn't this a network show? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot we, of nipple. Was she get, not wearing a bra before no bra. the 
She well, was I mean, wearing a bra before. That's she why. Why didn't she just after. put on the bra back on the bra? Like she got a a tight white T-shirt, and that's all she because can wear. Because welcome to early two thousands, Fox. It's nipple time. <laughs> it's nipple time. By the way, back to the previous scene. Kush, we do not drink for the uh, the packet loss. Oh, oh I didn't we did lose some packet. Please yeah, take a drink. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry, Curtis. I I was really saving up the drinks for the nineteen <laughs> protocols we're about to <laughs> I, get. I know we're getting there, but I did. We lost some packets, so we do like, have that, Curtis. We also have a a rarely used unknown uh, drinking game rule coming up later that might be a surprise to you. Sorry about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was sorry. excited. Now I'm scared. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, right, we back, see Kim again at this point, probably a 17-year-old in the show. Mm-hmm. A very tight focus on her on her very hard nipples in a white tank top. And um, we see her notice some fresh cuts and scrapes on her face. And then uh, she exits the bathroom where Lonnie offers her some dinner. And uh <laughs> Kim very indelicately asks him, hey, why are you alone and living here by yourself and a loser? <laughs> <laughs> why are you such a weirdo? Yeah. And what does he say? <laughs> this is so hilarious for it, it, because I saw this, you know, after I've seen Entourage. So uh, Llama, as I call him, um, says he got sick of the whole L.A. scene. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, bro. Bet you were sick of not getting a job. That's mm-hmm. all. And he just wanted to, he wanted to be by himself away from people. It's too many people. Yeah, and I said, why don't you go back to where your accent's from? Because it's not L.A. <laughs> nah. No. And so he says that, and then this whole scene is mind-boggling to me for a number of reasons. So let's just, I'm going to walk you through it real quick, and then I want you guys oh, yeah. to just dunk on it. Um, so he says, I was tired of being around so many people in L.A., and he asks, hey, Kim, why can't you go back? And Kim just gives the old, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And then after a single follow-up of what <laughs> what does she say she dumps all the beans oh she, god the she, dinner was already on the table kim we didn't need extra beans <laughs> she gives it a double side of beans double side of nuclear beans tells about the whole plot tells the whole that there's thing. a and even more shockingly of than the kim just telling a, a, a stranger about the <laughs> the kim and caboodle of a nuclear bomb rather than panicking how does Lonnie immediately respond? <laughs> like, like a doomsday prepper. He says that he knew it. He knew it. He's been telling people this was going to happen for a year. And she's like, you knew these terrorists for a year? And he's like, well, not these terrorists per se. But if you read Some the foreign terrorists. newspaper, the foreign news tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> the whole world hates America. The whole world hates America. Which, to be fair, in 2002 was true because, like, pretty right we did cause a pretty unnecessary <laughs> war for no reason. Yeah, yeah, no, whatever. Um, but, I feel like in 2002 yeah. they were still kind of on our side, though. Yeah, we had just, I mean, yeah, by 2002 we were still, pl- I mean, we, we had gone to Afghanistan, hadn't begun. Iraq, uh, yeah. We had that, that whole coalition a, of the willing and all yeah. that bullshit. Yeah, yeah we, we had not yet, shit, you know? We, we had yeah. not yet started the Freedom Fries. But, like, the reaction of just, like... I knew it. I fucking called it. Like there like no no like sadness for like or like shock just like oh my god, LA could be gone in an hour. He's just like, Yeah, I fucking called it. I fucking <laughs> knew this shit was gonna happen. Self high five. 
Yeah. yeah. And then when he says, I have something to show you later. Well, yeah. So Kim's just like, are you sure? Like, what are you talking about? And he's just like, oh, don't worry. We're far away. We're far enough away to not get hurt. And also, I have something that I can guarantee your safety. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, well, you said I have something I, need, I want to show you. And I was like, is it? It's your dick, isn't it? It's your dick. I know it's, it's his not. under. It's his underground dick full of guns. <laughs> it's not not his dick. Not just guns, by the way. That, that oh, bunker. Whole, yeah. whole heap of things. TNT, grenades. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Let's not spoil the surplus. Um, <laughs> so we got a tiny clock at eight twenty, and we cut to David Palmer holding a for- folder that says "War Department" for some reason. And you don't have uh, a War Department. What the fuck is the War Department? <laughs> it was like that was the Department of Defense in like nineteen forty. Yeah, they changed it from the Department of War a long as time ago. Yeah. Um, weird. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I didn't see that it said War Department. It's so great. <laughs> It definitely said War Department <laughs> big times. Um, so Lynn Kresge is briefing David on Jack Bauer's pro- progress and warns him of a potential disaster of a face-off <laughs> between two highly trained U.S. military units on U.S. soil. And David's response is just like, eh, it'll be fine. CTUS enough guys. <laughs> They'll kill whoever. I was like, that's kind of not the point. You're going to have a shootout between... Some kind of weird NSA military organization that's off the books and a federal agency at the place where a nuclear bomb is. You're- yeah. He's like, that'll be fine. We have enough dudes to kill cool. the, the other problem. <laughs> it's like, what if you don't? <laughs> What's the other outcome? <laughs> he has Jack there. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah, and to be fair, Jack goes in first to every single Dude, building. Yeah, we're gonna talk about this bullshit. We yeah, I know, I know we will. <laughs> but it's not um, just so, see, it's not just a Jack thing that always happens. It's always like you have no, an entire but, SWAT team. With so, no, no, fully, stop. just no, fully stop, military. Stop, stop. Michael, stop. Michael, stop. We're gonna we'll get, get to it. it. We get we're gonna get to it. <laughs> um then David's chief of staff, Mike Novick, walks in and informs David that Michigan Senator Bruce Gluck, which is a hell of a name, <laughs> has been having secret meetings with Roger Stanton. Hey, old Gluck, what you got? <laughs> there has to be someone that one of the writers knew that had a similar name, because there's no way you just pick that fucking awful name out of the clear blue. Bruce Gluck just sounds like an SEC basketball coach who got indicted for, like, fraud. Like, that's just... I was gonna say, it sounds like, like a character that uh, Martin shit. Short plays. In Jiminy Master Jiminy. of Disguise, <laughs> and Bruce Gluck is just. Wait, did you just put? Did you just put Martin Short in Dana Carvey's movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it works. It, it worked. Nailed though. it. <laughs> um. So Mike asks how they should proceed, and rather than doing anything like rational, what does David tell Mike to do? <laughs> I oh god, this is so stupid. He says, "Go get Cherry." Uh, because Sherry worked very close with Gluck and his people and knows during the primary. Well. Mm. How and how, give her what? Give everything. her access to everything access in the OC. Everything. How did the dots not get connected for him here? Yeah, Sherry shows up miraculously and knows how to help. <laughs> and then you mm-hmm. say, "Oh, Gluck knew about it, huh?" Well, Sherry mm. knows Gluck. Sherry knows Gluck. Fucking give her everything. <laughs> This gives her access to their perfectly. security devices, like databases. Like David knows Sherry. What is he doing? I thought maybe like, he was like laying a trap for her, but 
No. No. Clearly not. No, son. It's like, okay, it's like right now he has a straight line of four dots. <laughs> Three of the dots are connected, and Sherry is at the end of the third dot. And he's like, hmm, mm. better backtrace this one. <laughs> she knows how to get into it. She's like, what the fuck? And she's also connected to the, the, the second dot. Yeah. <laughs> it just. Hmm. Who knows God Stanton and Gluck? Well, I know them both, kind of. Carrie will help me figure it out. She knows Gluck real well, and Roger. We'll be okay. (laughs) And, like, Lynn Kresge just, like, tries to protest, and he's like, I don't want to argue about it. Just do it. Which is, like, it's so weird. Like, Mike walks out, Lynn just kind of eats her objections, and, like, David knows her. And, like, two episodes ago, he was up Sherry's ass about, like, not being trustworthy. It just, like, makes no sense about what, like, I just don't get it. Um, but we come back to CTU where Tony asks, uh, agent Randy Murdoch about the tail number. He's just still trying to clean up from the, uh, the burned fragment of paper from the, uh, fake side of Lee's, uh, pants pocket. Yeah. Hurry and, up, new Milo, you slow ass motherfucker. Yeah. And, uh, we, uh, M- Michelle Dessler asks, uh, Tony about what's going to happen when division gets there. And Tony says, you know, they're going to leave us alone. We'll be fine. But, uh, they look back at, uh, George Mason, who is not looking too good, and Tony just says, well, Ryan Chappelle's probably going to get rid of George Mason. That's that's just how he works. And we get a tiny clock at 8.22, and we see a CTU tech shining a UV flashlight over a military boot print, and Jack drives up, and we learn that there are five pr- sets of boot prints walking into this facility, mm-hmm. none coming out, the building is secure, so Coral Snake is inside. And it's for some reason... odd that they find five sets of boot prints. Going in the same door. Going in the same door. Not yep. coming out. And then they find six dead dudes. That's it. Well, Michael, you well, spoiled the surprise, but shit. yeah, great point. Yeah. Great thanks, point. Buddy. Maybe one of them jumped through the ceiling. <laughs> well, but well, what I don't get, though, is they found five boot prints, five sets, six dead dudes. But then apparently there was a seventh commando. You keep spoiling a lot. So but where maybe did everyone Michael, come Michael, from? Maybe hey, three hey, buddy, of them called like Jawas to hide their numbers. Hey, let, let's back up. Real quick question for you guys. I am not the biggest, uh, I'm not a complete PhD in science, um, in all the sciences. Uh, <laughs> how, but I did have a blacklight in my room in college because, mm-hmm. well, I was in fucking college. Uh, and you just used it to find jizz. Why the fuck are the brute print showing up? In the black light, I assume they. I assume they sprayed sprayed something down. Uh, the boots were, were covered in jizz. <laughs> they were covered in, <laughs> in blood. Like, it, blood it, and jizz. Were, were they covered in spittle and, and or semen? Urine. I just needed. To, I need to understand like how that. You know. Yeah. No. I just. I just needed. I needed to understand. You know what they. What these guys were doing before they got there. I mean, what kind of party was happening for the coral snakes before they showed up? You know, mm. to get this bomb. Mm-hmm. A lot of piss, a lot of piss and vinegar in those boys. Nicely done. All right, now now let's go ahead and describe um, the the attack formation for the CTU group in this building, which is just a masterful piece of, of strategy. It is masterful planning, um, mm-hmm. the kind of shit you see in Rainbow Six. Um, just let's talk about the attack. I know you want to talk about Michael. The attack formation that decided to go into the, to, to breach the building, mm. gone head. Well. They, this happens in a lot of TV shows where it's like you have the entire SWAT team completely militaried out. They got helmets. They got yeah. they got gear. They got they got fucking padding all over their arms. They have they have M4s. They're yeah. fucking ready to go. And then 
Jack is like, all right, cool. Everybody's clearly ready. I can see you all suited up. I'm going to take the lead here with my single sidearm pistol mm-hmm. and maybe a flak jacket. Yeah. I got a nine mil and a, flash, and a flashlight. Fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's going to lead the... W- There's dudes with machine guns behind you, Jack. Yeah, and I remember reading in like an in like multiple interviews with like the showrunners because just like Jack has to be the hero of the show. Like he has to go in first. But just like it's okay if he doesn't. But it's also like, a bad plan because if they actually if if these dudes are Coral Snake, secret covert ops people, and they're holed up in this place, and they're you're just walking into the fucking lion's den at and that the, point. The thing is though, like like Jack in the universe is probably a better trained soldier than anyone on the C2 team. Like, all they have to do is let him holster his pistol, grab an MP5, yeah. get some body armor, and go in fine. That's, like, that's know, fine. Do they think we can't tell Keeper Sutherland if his hair is covered up? <laughs> if he's wearing a helmet, they're like, well, without them blonde locks showing, how are they going to know it's Keith? We got we to gotta keep him just open, open and like, free. Like, even if they just didn't, like, if they gave him helmet and, like, no, like, balaclava, like everyone else is wearing, <laughs> like, he'd be fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, like we get it. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's silly. So they go in. Jack leads the way, and uh, shockingly, they find nothing as they walk through the uh, the building. It's an empty empty warehouse, and uh, they continue to very very slowly search the building. And then Jack and multiple agents find something. They come upon a an interesting scene. What do they find? Everybody dead. Ruh row. So. Five team members, the Jack runs up and inspects their arms. They each have the coral snake tattoo on their forearm, have been neatly shot and killed, disposed of in one area, very tightly, tightly together. Yeah. Uh, one guy shot right in the forehead. Right in the forehead. So wait, was there five dudes dead or six dudes? Five, five bro. No, five. Six. six. No, six. It was six. six. You're right. right. But that's what I'm saying. You said there was five boot prints, six yeah. dead people. Yep. Don't stop. Stop right where you We'll are. get there. Where'd the six dead person come from? I don't know. Maybe one of them was piggybacking like Yoda. (laughs) Maybe he didn't go to the cat piss party, bro. They couldn't see his boot prints. Yeah, maybe he didn't spray down his shoesies with cat piss. (laughs) We'll never know. Um, And so some enterprising CTU agent just looks at Jack and says, well, if these guys are dead, who's (laughs) tracking the bomb? (laughs) Yeah, good good question, bro. Um, And as he says that, we cut the commercial at 824. And guys, who is tracking the bomb? (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) these... These lines that happen, there was one that, that Kate did after Jack Jack pulled the old switcheroo on Sad Ali to get a get him to uh to break. She was like, oh, it was all a it was all a, a joke or whatever the fuck she said. Like, do they really need to throw those in? I just imagine somebody watching it and being like, nah, we don't we don't get it. It's like it's I wonder how much you have to like as a TV writer, especially like for this show, I mean, like this was this show was kind of like first of its kind a little bit, especially in like 2002. Like how much you had to like play to like the dumbest yeah. audience member, just like, well, if these guys are dead, who's tracking the bomb? <laughs> yeah, like I can picture like right now TV writers being like, we got a series order, guys from who? Netflix. Fuck yes, we got a yes. series order, guys from who? ABC. Oh shit, got a fucking fuck uh, me, fucking network. 
Uh, hell. Uh, yikes. <laughs> this is going to be Yowzers. real dumb, y'all. Real, real dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, God. It, yeah, so we get that. And then we come back from a commercial. It's 8.29. And we see ja- or, sorry, George Mason is pulling his sleeve back down over the gauze bandages on his arm. Uh, and he struggles to put his jacket on just as Brad Hammond arrives from Division at CTU. Um, and Tony Almeida and Michelle Dessler are kind of walking him through and um Hammond doesn't really he's just some bureaucrat piece of shit and just basically wants to know why anyone is even here anymore and just dismisses all of their arguments why they should still be working um and just as he says yeah go ahead and make everyone go to division George appears from nowhere and says oh yeah and waste an hour and a half moving uh personnel for no reason we got this we're fine George pulls it together yeah and George just bosses around here and mm. like Brad does the old handshake where you you shake the hand and then grab the forearm, mm. which George, who clearly is in pain, reacts not one no. fucking bit. No. He, he eats not. that pain for breakfast. <laughs> George comes down and is basically like, Oh, oh, you think you're beer you're a bureaucrat. I'm gonna I want to beer crack all over you, buddy. Yeah. I'm going to beer cut your dick right <laughs> off. Uh, and like Brad says, oh, I heard you're not feeling well. And George just says, Oh, yeah. I imagine you heard all kinds of things today. A bad day for me is still a good day for anybody on your side of the freeway, though. <laughs> and just like sends him, sends Brad just traveling on his old merry way. Says Ooh. they're not going to stop. CTU is, uh, has too many active protocols running. Please take a drink. And the office is still operating at peak efficiency. He gets some sort of rando in the office to talk about run times and uh <laughs> he just sends uh brad off to pound sand yeah. and uh and he walks back to his office hey, and brad uh we heard you were coming so i got you this gift basket of all of the dicks you can eat <laughs> yeah on your way back to division <laughs> we ripped them off all rocks. the people buddy let's go kick it <laughs> we ripped them off all the people who died today you just eat these dicks they're free dicks <laughs> Um, but we see before he walks up to his office, we see blood seeping through the sleeve of his suit jacket where Brad very inconsiderately grabbed his, his wrist. I hate Which, that fucking handshake. Yeah. Do, do people do that? Yeah. I've never met anyone yeah, who does older that. Older business guys do it. And it's weird. Like, don't touch me. I'm, I'm shaking your hand, but don't like, t- don't extra touch me. Just. I don't need the seesaw handshake. Yeah, man. Like, you need one firm, you need one firm grasp, two or three of them and we're good. That's it. I've Three had, the, I've had a couple, the handshake and then the other hand on your hand, which is like, yeah. oh, I hate I that. Need, that's creepy. That's cre- I don't need a ham sandwich yeah, that's, at all. <laughs> that's that's some creepy shit. That's like, you know, I don't know you that well. Don't don't touch me extra. Don't don't we, even. No. Yeah, we did this already. That's enough. We did the one. I've hand. said I've said hello. I've learned your name. I don't need anything else. <laughs> you didn't. Lo- you heard their name. You didn't learn it. If they're that's important fair. enough, you learned it. But if- <laughs> that's fair. Well, we get a tiny clock. It's 8.30. Uh, please take a drink. And uh, Lonnie is uh, leading Kim to the back of his cabin and down a spiral staircase to presumably, well, we'll, we'll learn what he's taking her to. <laughs> presumably for everyone except for Kim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's- Kim looks down the spiral stairwell as Lonnie descends and hesitates. And sure? Lonnie just looks up at her and says the famous words of a serial killer with an underground sex dungeon. <laughs> Come on, don't be scared. Come, Come on. on. Yeah, that, that was all it took to convince her. 
And she comes on. She just did it. She just just went down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Secret sex room. And um, so Lonnie warns her to watch her head as she comes down and shows her his underground bunker. And Lonnie chooses. So one, I'm going to ask you guys one. Michael, what does Lonnie choose to highlight in the bomb shelter? And two, what does Kim focus on in the bomb shelter? Well, he likes to talk about his coffee. He's yeah. like, hey, you got to have good coffee. He has approximately a pound of coffee that he can One live pound. on. He can he's live gonna on be, for the rest he's of gonna be set. He's good. I got this. I love coffee so much. I have this whole pound. Curtis, what does Kim see? She sees knives. And guns and granadas and dynamite gas masks. All the things you want to see in a survival multiple, chamber. <laughs> multiple bomb triggers. Mm. I don't know if you guys saw this. There were bomb triggers in that group. At least five grenades. It's like a cranberry song all up in there. <laughs> so she rushes right out of there and claims that she was just getting claustrophobic. And Lonnie just doesn't seem to understand that all the guns and <laughs> gas masks and murder equipment <laughs> made her uncomfortable and by the way there were like a thousand knives right yeah yeah oh yeah all yeah. kinds of different kinds of knives like not not knives used for hunting or survival just murder knives i just yeah. murder a whole lot of food no no food <laughs> just, just murder just knives. weapons it's the food is whatever young impressionable woman i can lure <laughs> down here so um she just says i really think my the place I need to be is with my aunt Carol in San Jose, and, and Lonnie just says, "Okay, yeah, sure, go if you need to. That's fine." And we get a tiny clock at eight thirty four. Uh, and in this scene, we hear the word "protocol" about three <laughs> times. So you guys can just go ahead and take a sipsicle. Um, and we see Sherry Palmer rolling up in a fucking hella tight presidential golf cart uh, to the OC fan on the front of it too. It's it's yeah. pimp, but I don't know if you guys realize this. Like that was it's like the same kind of cart from Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. And they drive Shelly or Sherry to an elevator, like a boss. And she gets in the elevator, but I'm looking at this cart saying, Yo, son. Where you going though? <laughs> Turn around though. <laughs> like <laughs> the hallways the hallways are barely wide enough for this golf cart. Like it's it, it's it's the eternal conundrum. Where do you go? Um, <laughs> he basically just backs it up to where it came from and then pulls it back forward. It's basically just a people a mover. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a people mover that's very difficult going in one direction. Um, and so, it beeps the entire time. It's really yeah, annoying. Yeah, that's great. Going back, down, Going back, Phil. All right. See you later. All righty. <laughs> it's like the end of a fucking like 30-yard hallway, too. She couldn't it, just walk. Well, it is- this appears to be an actual marine. It's like I I went to basic training for this shit. I just gotta drive this cart. <laughs> I wish it had been shaped like a baseball helmet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like yeah, it's not even a cool one. It's like one of those ones with like super safe bumpers. It's like all right, fuck, I can't even me- I can't even wreck this thing. Um, so she meets Lynn Kresge, who escorts her down to the elevator, instructs on instructs her on how to access the database, and Lynn just drops some dick on Sherry and she's like. At no moment will you inter- interface with any staff, and you're going to run all information through me. And uh, Sherry just says, you're not trying to maintain protocol. You're just trying to position yourself between me and David's inner circle because you don't trust me. Instead of talking about protocols, why don't you just say, say what's on your mind? 
you don't want me here. <laughs> Which Lynn's just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, no shit. Okay. I thought yeah. we were trying to be professional here. <laughs> yeah. And I made it clear all day to you. I don't fucking like you or trust you yeah. or think you're a good person at all. So. Yeah, it's like, why would I trust you or like you? What are you fucking talking about? And so Lynch says, how dare you speak to me like this? I was appointed by the president of the United States of America because of my qualifications in foreign policy and crisis management. And I don't know what kind of credentials you have that makes you think you can lecture me. You don't want to play games? Okay. I don't like you and I don't like you being here. I don't like your face. I don't like your voice. I hate you. So I don't like your yeah. stupid fake accent. And you know what? It is a really dumb accent. Fuck your and shoes, by the way, too. Fuck your according shoes. According to the wiki, Sherry graduated from Georgetown with a BA in sociology, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to all of this, what does Sherry just kind of say as the elevator doors open and they walk into the OC? Now we're communicating. Which, god damn. Oh, now you're speaking yeah. my flavor, bitch, girl. <laughs> 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 Let's get after it. <laughs> Sherry is a kind of it's the, of it's the same as I like think. at the end of training day when Ethan Hawk finally grows some balls and Denzel says my N word. You know, it's like, okay, now you want to play. Then he tries to kill him. Mm, right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I Shit about think to get this real. might be kind of a one to one situation <laughs> on that one. Um, so we cut the commercial. We come back at the 840. We see Lonnie packing a bag of supplies for Kim. And just as he's about to send her on her way, they hear a Rangers truck drive up outside the cabin. Well, first, though, uh, before that, he says it's about a 15 minute walk to the highway. But before when they met, he was like, oh, my cabin is half a mile away. It is several miles to the highway. Several miles. Yeah. By the way, a half mile walk is 15. <laughs> Especially through the woods, yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, maybe he meant one highway was several miles, one highway was one mile away, and mm. the cabin is halfway. But anyway, the ranger drives up, and uh, Lonnie goes out, Kim hides inside, and uh, the ranger just says he's searching for a young woman who's wanted for murder and kidnapping. <laughs> uh, and Lonnie just sends him off, and we get another tiny clock. It's eight fifty-two or eight forty-two. Sorry. Wait a minute. And uh, talking about talking about how bad Ranger Mike's investigating skills are. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, Kim runs across the window mm-hmm. to look out of it, and like full face staring at this whole scene, doesn't see a thing. And also, they they paint Lonnie as like this uh, loner dude, doomsday prepper, lives all by himself. But then he's talking to the ranger about a poker game with some guy named Doug. Right. Yeah. Like he's clearly involved in the community. Yeah. Like a like this mountain community that he's living in. Uh, and like also, it why is the park ranger out there? Does he live in a national park? You can't just live in a national park. Uh, Listen, man, I have no good answers. <laughs> I have no I, good I, answers I, I for that no, one. I got nothing for you. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so we get, we get a tiny clock. No good answers. We just get this clock, <laughs> Michael. Sorry. <laughs> it's 842, and Lonnie walks back inside and just basically just like, hey, what's all this I hear about murder and kidnapping? <laughs> and Kim just says, I didn't do it. I swear. Which Lonnie's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Um and uh, he just he agrees to let her stay until the ranger gets clear. And Kim, as he kind of like walks away and starts like packing stuff up, stuff up, Kim just says, "I'm really lucky 
I met you and I'm glad you let me stay, which is a bad sign mm-hmm. for her. She also says, you've been a really good friend. You've been a really good friend. Friend zoned. Oh, so fast, though. <laughs> and to be fair, the last person who got friend zoned, which I guess might have been her boyfriend technically, but Miguel did end up with a broken back. Mm-hmm. He just got fucked up, you know? Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, Cam. Uh, so we get another tiny clock. It's 8.43, and we cut back to the CTU. No, we cut back to the NROC, where David is asking Sherry to find out any information she knows about Gluck and Stanton, particularly any meetings at which both Stanton and Rayburn were present. And Sherry says, I know exactly who to call, which how the f- Fuck would she know that? How would she know exactly who to call about the three attendees of secret meetings unless she were privy to the secret meetings? Well, that's Kush. Too many dots. It's, it's, are you? It's, are you? It's too many dots. It's when you have like a couple dots and it's in a line. What do you call it? A it's line. Like a straight line. <laughs> it's just like a line, right? Fuck. Um, and then, so they're walking down a hallway and Sherry kind of plays some politics and like compliments Lynn on how helpful Lynn has been with this whole process. And, um, she thanks David for permitting her to be back in the OC. And David at first just says, you're just here to do a job that no one else can do. But then he kind of relents and just like expresses his appreciation for Sherry being there and doing uh, good work. And just as he does that, Mike Novick arrives and uh, David sends Sherry off, and he tells David that Jack has found all s- six members of the Coral Snake team dead, and the bomb is still unsecured. And wh- where's David's first move now? He goes to talk to uh, Stanton. Goes back to Roger Stanton, yes. <laughs> like, hey, and bro, Stanton, uh, those people are supposed to be watching that bomb. Yeah, mm-hmm. your insane plan backfired. Who else could have known about this operation? And they have some back and forth, and like Stanton just doesn't know what's going on. And then David says, well, someone killed six highly trained commandos, and that does not sound like the bunch, the work of a bunch of suicide bombers. And Stanton looks up, shocked, and what does he say? Six. There were seven. So now there are two missing footprints, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, fuck, these guys don't have footprints? Okay, one guy was the DD and didn't go to the Jizz and Cat Piss show, all right? And then <laughs> what about this other guy? One was, was Yoda and another one. He was one. walking on stilts. Uh, the he, fuck? He snuck up in that bitch in another door. Anyway, um, David is shocked to hear this. But again, be, beyond footprints and cat piss and Yoda backpacks, <laughs> how... How does one man kill six people in a tightly grouped situation? One of them like, shot in the forehead. I don't want. I mean, immediately I, I said to myself, assume that maybe he was like, he's like, hey, I'll take first watch. Y'all take a nap. Well, no. What I all. said to myself is, is obviously it's it's Colonel Samuels who's still alive, right? We haven't met him. We don't know what he looks like. Um, so it's got to be the colonel. Um, Colonel's so an old man, though. Colonel's got to be old, at least forty. Uh, uh, Jack's forty. True, seventeen-year-old <laughs> daughter. I mean, you know, Jack. Jack can do some work. That's yeah, true. I'm mm. just. Uh, mm-hmm. Who else? Like, he's probably got them all in a, in, a, in a circle. Hey guys, we're gonna do good tonight. We're gonna get this nuke. We're gonna do you know great for the country and get some balls in this presidency. 
Okay, we, guns we're, we're, down, we're, hands we're in. Guys. Everyone, put your guns yes, down. Guys, Everyone, guys, put your guys, guns guys, down on the floor and hands have, in the circle. Talk about it. Hold on, guys. Let me, let me I clean just want to dance real fast. Isn't that a beautiful sidearm? Look up. Look at that, Corporal. Come here. Oh, look at my second. Look, down this, look at my second sidearm. Look down this barrel. Oh, look at that. I, I have a, I have a Desert Eagle right here with the. Oh, 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 oh. Just does the whole you know the fucking Neo thing. In a circle. Desert Eagle to have seven rounds. Got them all. Curtis, good point. Got them all. Saves one for himself. Hmm. No. Interesting. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got a tiny clock. It's 845. I don't really think he could have killed all six of them. Though. <laughs> I'm still not on board. Um, Unless but, they're trying to create a badass for Jack to go after. Right? Well, mission accomplished. Um, we got a tiny clock, 845. And just as Tony is telling someone that the airfield is too big to search quickly enough to find the bomb. Agent Randy Murdoch comes in big with the CSI bullshit. Hey. And um, we learn that there are two possible tail numbers for the plane. N34G5 or N34G6. Like a and- G6. Like a G6. Sorry. Oops, it's G5. <laughs> who's still Who's still copping a G5 these days? Oh, it's O2. That's bullshit. Bunch of sad ass motherfuckers. <laughs> um, so the plane is in hangar MD7, which it seems like a bit big hangar for like one plane, <laughs> but anyway, Tony phones this information to Jack and we get a tiny clock at 8.45, and the CTU team sets off in pursuit towards hangar MD7. And we cut to hangar MD7, where Marie is walking away from a de- delivery truck, another one. With another person that we have not met, uh, which the truck drives off as she enters a side door marked MD7. Well, I assume it was the third, the third dude that was there with her and the the nervous Omar. boy. No, her and the, what at the end of last episode when her and Omar were doing the bomb thing when she walked in, there was a third dude. So it would have been the nervous boy from the truck earlier, yeah, right? presumably. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. yeah and, and here's the thing, y'all. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming we're gonna get there, but um, just. Understand that if there was a nuclear device in an airfield, I would assume that our federal government could set up a blockade so nothing leaves that airport. <laughs> yeah, on the ground at minimum. You just think they'd have pr- satellite photos? Oh, just nothing. There are entrances and exits. It's a secure location because it's an airfield. Mm-hmm. Nothing should leave it. But I mean, earlier, Jack told LAP to, to like set like shut down 10 square blocks <laughs> within like a minute and presumably <laughs> that happened but this one was like we're just gonna go full force at one point and then oh fuck they went up the got, they got around <sighs> us though. damn yeah. it yeah that's dumb just yeah it's anyway, a dumb one I do a better job at setting I mean I think I think anybody can do a better job setting this up in a video game to just say hey let's cordon off the whole area and then send a strike team we have other resources outside of these guys who are meant to kill people. Right. But, you right. know. Yeah, like a video game. You, go- you you set it up, but then you like get really bored with the setup. And then so you just tell everyone to just run in and just shoot kinda, everybody. Nah, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. yeah. Just kill? kill no, things? that's, kill. that's uh, you're, 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 you, Leroy Jenkins, everything. That's uh-huh, different. Yeah. No, it, it was it. interesting, Curtis, you mentioned Ghost Recon earlier. Uh, because that game would have forced you to have considered something like this, but also would have... Uh, force you to as your sniper was crawling through grass 
19 miles away from the objective, some random guard would have popped out of a tree and shot him in the dick hole. <laughs> so you can only plan for so many contingencies. You can't, you can never plan for the dick hole shot. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's never in the oh, cards. Some random guard in a tree waiting for a, a, a crawling shrub to move around. I'm going to shoot that shrub in the dick. <laughs> you can never predict that one. But he was wearing his goddamn so hat. then. I hated that castle mission. That that game sucked. Anyway, um, so Marie wishes Omar good luck as she opens the hangar door and Omar fires up the engine to take off. And as he taxis out of the front and down the runway, Marie walks out the back and uh, Jack's caravan arrives just in time to pursue. And we get a thrilling chase scene as uh, Jack orders a team to... Cut off uh, Omar's uh, takeoff, and they set up shop really far away. A full mile, a really full mile down away. the runway, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, uh, they're just they're just hanging out. Um, but uh, Jack climbs up on the roof of the Humvee that he's in and manages to shoot out one of the tires in the plane, preventing takeoff, and then shoots Omar himself in the arm. Um, and little known rule. So Omar kind of powers down the plane. He comes to a stop right in front of the police blockade. Jack gets out, has his gun drawn, which little known rule in the 24 drink game. Someone points a gun at someone for more than three seconds. You take a drink. Hmm. And if the gun goes off, you take another drink. So eh, no, this gun pointed out for, I would say, I thought it was, you have to drink the entire time. The gun's being pointed at him. And then if he, if he fires the gun and kills him, then you have to finish your drink. Yeah, well, I can't sustain that level right now, <laughs> wow. my friend. Um, so Jack sees he purchases a plane. They apprehend Omar, and he sees a box containing the nuclear bomb. Hey, real quick, in the guys, back of the plane. Real quick, I I think Jack's a badass and all, but um, I'm gonna go ahead and say that this scene pales in comparison to the magnificent work done by John Woo. In the Academy Award winning uh, for best picture ever movie, Face Off. Uh, well, yeah. When Sean Archer takes out Caster Troy's plane, uh, just using his Humvee, essentially. No shots fired. No need. Just gonna go ahead and get after this old plane here with my car. I mean, yeah. You're not, you're certainly not wrong. <laughs> so, I mean,. I mean, he shot. He shot. He did shoot a tire and a, and a pilot of a moving aircraft, which is impressive. But it took him with, a long time with two two <laughs> shots. I thought it was interesting that he was like, "I'm going to shoot this tire out," and then like instead of going and trying to shoot something else or even like running the plane off of the <laughs> runway or something, he's just like, "Nah, I'm, I'm just going to shoot him." So like, what was the point yeah, of shooting the shoot tire him, shoot in the first, first place? That was your plan. That is kind of one of the things. Like, I mean. The Humvees were going the full speed of the plane for, you know, planes take a little while to get up to speed. Well, also, those types of planes don't even go that fast even when they get into the air. Right, yeah. And the thing is, though, like, all they had to do was, like, I don't know, like, you can do a pit maneuver on a car. Just (laughs) crash into the fucking thing. If you had just hit the back end of the plane, it would have just turned sideways and gone out of control. A la Sean Archer. Fluid dynamics, you know? Like, (laughs) dynamics are a thing, like... Just interrupt the airflow that, like, you know, <laughs> Correct. make a the plane, plane flip, a plane like, doesn't point just lift downward. Off because it goes faster. It's not a goddamn, you know, aircraft style DeLorean. It has to actually have the ailerons in place to get into the air. 
So just fuck up yeah, the plane. Just like <laughs> run into that thing, or like fuck, just get in front of it. It'll be fine. The plane won't take off. Like we'll just run into you, and it weighs six pounds. It'll just yeah, break. Yeah. When I would it hits have put rubber. a car further, you know, up advance in front of the plane, and then got out of the car. Like that's the thing. I always like, like oh, well, if I stay here, maybe he'll hit me. Get out of it. The vehicle will stay there without you there. Just get out of that, and then, yeah. and then let the plane hit it. Game over. Like literally, just put a put a Humvee under the wing. It won't take off. Like it just won't because that's how air works. Um, but anyway, so Jack approaches the plane and sees the uh, the bomb casing in the back of the plane and orders the nuclear emergency team to get there right now. We cut to commercial. We come back. It is eight uh, fifty four, and just as is happening, Brad Hammond apparently has nothing better on his plate and just says, "Yeah, okay, CTULA can." hang out until the bomb threat passes. Division um, of CTU should ostensibly be aware of the this what's happening right everything now. Everything right? that's going on. Yeah. Okay. But he has no cognizance of this whatsoever. <laughs> um but he um he just says, okay, CTU is fine and he goes to walk away and George starts hacking up his horribly irradiated <laughs> lungs. And Brett just is like you should see someone about that cough. And George is like, yeah, thanks, asshole. And uh, Hammond leaves and George goes back to his office. And we cut to Lonnie's survival cabin. And this scene sucks. This is bad. So Lonnie's listening to the police <laughs> band radio for information. And he tells Kim that he's just kind of waiting to hear if anyone's talking about Kim and the search for her so she can leave safely. And uh, he's like, yeah, no, everything's fine. I don't hear anything. And then what does he do? He starts, he claims that he starts hearing static on all of the radio stations. And then he's like, "Uh, I have an alert from some other radio station. Oh, oh, oh no, they're dark too. Everyone's dark. It's all static. The bomb must have gone off. And Kim rushes a to a window. Oh, yes. Yeah, so they're yeah. talking about a flash, right? And then they were gone. Yeah. And then Kim rushes to a window and says, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. And Lonnie says, well, you wouldn't. We're in a valley. We need to go down to the bomb shelter right now. To which Kim reluctantly agrees to. And guys, God fucking, uh, fucking God, cool. no. Good fuck. I wish the cougar had eaten her. That would have been a better. I was just like, and we got Kim again. She came yeah, in again. Got, I thought it's like, I she thought got for ten sure Cloverfield laned up in here. Yeah, it's just I, God I, and I need, damn it. I need to ask this question. So when they come back from commercial break here, um, they make it very clear to the viewers that L.A. still exists. Um, mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. guys watch this without knowledge of Kevin Dillon's future work and you know his creepy <laughs> situation, was there like a? Was, did it seem like they were trying to set up the fact that? the nuke had gone off or something. Cause I, I, cause the music got really dramatic when they did that scene. Like they come back and like, Oh, LA still here. You guys. Well, like, yeah, I fucking didn't No, know. It's just like, it, it was weird <laughs> because like, yeah, I mean, like, I think it was just like, they were trying to talk about like this, just not trying to do that. It's just this creepazoid who had a teenage girl in his house who was wanted for murder. And like, she couldn't get out. Like she wasn't going to try to like, find outside validation that the bomb hadn't gone off he's just being a dickhead and like wanted to trap her there and like she couldn't find another way so like i don't think the show is trying to hide like i think it was more to like set him up as being a weirdo even though 
to this point, he had not given any indication that he was anything other than, like, a decent person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. He weird, though. Sorry. He's just mm. weird, dude. Oh, so. he mad weird. Yeah. Seems weird. Just fuck that guy. Anyway. Curtis, you got Apollo 13 going on back there? I might. Might. Yeah. I might have that happen. This was, this is my favorite Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, I mean. I can't fight uh, you on this one. Tommaso Hanksba in this one is. uh, I mean, all he's doing is just flying. He's just flying a a mission, just like Captain Sullenberger. Right. He's a, he's a, he's a. Something went wrong on his mission. He's a pilot when when things go wrong. He he, he, he handles it, right? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, garbage know. roll he didn't for Tom just Hanks. handle it he had a team mm. of engineers on on the planet earth helping him out he had to overcome incredible odds oh my god he you're right you're right him you're down right. Left he did right. it with the help of engineers and different team while the magnificent sully sullenberger did it all by himself in a split second <laughs> right is that not what you're saying right one man by himself Save, I can't save, 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 save how many no people? Fucking Jim Lovell saved what? Sully three dudes? Three dudes <laughs> were saved. Three. They used the entire facility and, and ability of NASA to save three dudes. Well, Curtis, Captain if you Sully Sullenberger saved Curtis? hundreds of people by himself. Curtis, if you the role of a lifetime. Movie, Commander Jim Lovell's mother clearly says that if you put Jim Lovell on a washing machine with wings, he could have landed it. I don't think fucking Sully could have done that. Also, can I just say this for the fucking 9,000th time on this fucking show? I have no goddamn problem with Sully Sullivan. I think he's a fucking hero. Good deal. He landed a fucking plane. So happy for him. I don't care. He's a national hero. Fucking love it. I think Tom Hanks did himself a disservice for choosing that role. And I think he did me a disservice multiple, multiple times over for one, making me have my opinion. Two, making me defend it to you assholes. And you know what? We haven't even had a dead on this show in like a season and a half. If I have to talk to that dipshit again about this particular dipshit thing, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Anyway, Apollo 13 is a great movie, and Jim Lovell's a hero. Well, so I chose Apollo 13 because of the next scene. And I believe as you oh, go through cool. the scene itself, you will get to where it, where it goes. So, go on ahead, Kush. Go to the next scene, please. Actually, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. Uh, anyway, so we get a time thug at the I believe we're headed out to Norton Airfield, my friend. We are, and uh, we see a Skywatch traffic helicopter from uh, Paul Tate reporting high above the beautiful skyline of L.A. at 9 p.m., uh, and at the airport, the uh, Nest team, the nuclear emergency strike team or something, takes over uh, the bomb, trying to disarm it, and uh, they do not look optimistic about the situation. <laughs> nope. And... Uh, um, they do not look optimistic about the situation, and Jack orders that they clear the runway so that he can fly the bomb out of L.A., <laughs> and as soon as he says that... I'm surprised he didn't give the job to Baker, What's, to be honest. Did, is this where Chris Nolan got the idea for fucking Batman uh, <laughs> Dark okay, it's, Rises? It's where, the, yes. it's where the 10 Cloverfield Lane came from. It's where Batman came... Everything came from 24. Just, <laughs> yeah. So, 
24, I feel like, is a surprising genesis for a lot of really bad, like, late 2000 ideas. <laughs> is that where the dude watch 24 and say, hey, let's make a movie where Liam needs to get chased by wolves? How'd you get that from Kate and the Cougar? Don't ask the question. Just make the movie. <laughs> just make the movie. Also, give him a lot of tiny airplane bottles from the airplane rack, and he can just punch them to death. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Um, So, just when Jack says... Let me fly this bomb out of L.A. What happens to the bomb? Some alarms start going off. Um, the beeping starts getting closer and closer together, making it sound like this bomb's about to go off. Mm-hmm. They say it's been programmed to speed up when tampered with. Mm-hmm. And they have a pretty serious moment of panic. Everyone's freaking out. They think they're all about to die. And then one of the techs just looks at the bomb and reaches for a panel on the bomb. And another guy says, don't do that. It'll explode. And the guy just kind of gives him a jerk off look (laughs) and rips it off the bomb. And what happens? Nothing. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. So either this is one of two things happen. Either nothing happened and it was a decoy bomb, mm-hmm. or the bomb went off, killed everyone, and everything that happens from now on in the 24 universe is Jack's uh, last minutes, last things he sees no, before he no. dies. It was only so just a dream. In, mm-hmm. You think we're in a nuclear bomb super, super position exactly. where everything could either be alive or not alive. Yeah, we're actually, because Jack was so close to the to the bomb that basically Jack has gone supernova and he is now fusing mm. um, everything together. And What if he went super saiyan? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Don't don't go there. You guys aren't, you know, have good. We don't have the nerve. No, you don't. Just don't. Sorry. Michael certainly does not. I at least know the word that I said. Michael does not. Um, so basically, we learned that the box holding the bomb was a full-on decoy, but had recently held a nuclear bomb. So this is not the bomb. That's not how it is. Just a decoy, which hey, I but there don't is a know bomb. how they had the time to prepare a fully like functional looking. Pretty sure that's not how that's not how bomb? bombs work. They could have removed nuke? the isotope that had been weaponized. But which, th- to be fair, the someone could have a dirty bomb right now. That is true. Yeah, that, but that's, rather but that's than not, a full-on well, nuclear that's not warhead the bomb, though. Like the bomb itself is is you know creating nuclear fission to have an explosion. So they need to trigger and all that good stuff, and that appears to be there. So it seems like right. what the other person has is the nuclear material needed for the bomb. Well, no, from from what they have, what, from what it appears, like basically the the readouts that the Nest team got were that the container had recently held the bomb. Okay. So the bomb itself, whoever whoever Marie gave it to on the truck has the bomb. It just the the container was still reading as a nuclear container. Right. Once again, um, once again, I would like to believe, and I, I we live in cities that have rather large airports. Um, yeah. you know, betwixt uh, O'Hare and Jackson Hartfield and. I would hope, hope to God, that with our police forces and the feds, they could lock them bitches down and say, hey, we heard there might be a nuke here. Let's not let any trucks out. Just in case. Well, I mean, we don't know for sure that the truck got out. Mm. Could still be there. We got we got 11 episodes left, son. 
pretty sure that some bitch that gets out. You're thinking that bomb Just gets get out. The, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, well, as we hear that, Jack looks kind of around in horror, and uh, we see the CTU team in the LA office get the news, and they be kind of begin to look slowly panicked. And uh, as we learn that, we see David Palmer walking down the hallway and then enter Roger Stanton's interrogation room. And without missing the beat, he just says, if there's something you haven't told me that could save lives, tell me now. And we continue to see some split screen stuff going on. And as David confronts Roger and lays everything out that happened to him, Coral Snake dead, the bomb being a decoy, tell me what you know. What does Roger Stanton say to end the episode? Ask Sherry. And then David looks very concerned about this. And Roger says, Sherry, she's the one you want to talk to. And I couldn't tell if David looked worried or like just angry that Roger would even bring this up. But my one question is, is old Teddy Simmons going to get some laughing time mm. with Sherry. Uh, it might be. David we looked cut like to the guy 59 and 59 seconds. David looked the guy at work. You know the guy at work who um when confronted with the fact that he may have fucked up or missed a date gets real defensive with you. You know, hey, mm-hmm. do you have that thing done? Well, fuck you. I, you know, I'll get done. I'll get done. That's how his face looked like. No. Sherry, what do you what did you say? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you you know you know who she is. You knew who she was before she got here. Mm-hmm. And you let her win again. That's the thing. You've done it again, David. David's known who she was the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I like this like constant shock. I, I like she can't betray him anymore. Like no. she shouldn't be able to betray him. Like he should know all of her shit. I, and I feel like what's gonna happen is is David's gonna waffle because he's the mother she's the mother of his children. But Lynn's gonna be like, yeah. "Oh, I think Teddy needs some laughing time. I think I think Theodore needs some time to deal with Miss Sherry here." Do but you, do you I think don't. Here's the thing: consent. I don't think he can break Sherry. I think he's tougher than Roger. <laughs> I just, oh, Sherry is one hundred percent tougher than Roger. <laughs> but do you do you think that David would ever consent to have her interrogated? Do you think David is that strong? Because I don't think he is. No. Nah. I think she'd have to do it herself. Lynn would have to tell Theodore to do it himself. That's real. She'd have to kind of break protocol and yeah. just do it. Because David's a punk. He's a liar and a punk. Okay. That's the end of the um, episode, bro. Well, Kirsch, what do you do nothing more. That's it. That No, that's... no. I, I, yeah, we cut to 8, 59, 59 seconds. Uh, Curtis, what do, you, what do you think is coming next? Do you think... Uh, do you think David <sighs> is going to... How do you think he's going to come at Sherry? I part of me like wants to see him play the long game and continue to trust her. Like any sort of subtle game. Yeah. Like not let her know that he knows, but he's going to walk in there and do the same shit he did to Roger. Like pull his fucking coat back and be like, I don't know what you did, Sherry. You tell me what I need to know. And then she's going to just say, David, I would never betray you and and fucking, you know, Sherry things. And he's going to walk away. Um, But I think Lynn's going to take care of the business. Uh, I think uh, yeah. I'm Michelle's a mole. I don't care who. I don't care. <laughs> I just don't trust her. I don't. I really don't. Um, okay. I don't like face that much. Fair. Okay. But go well, ahead. I think some obvious plot points that are coming up. The colonel. Uh, or we're, like we're gonna meet the colonel. The colonel. 
Mm-hmm. I think the Connell's gonna be a couple episodes from now. We got we to Curtis, to your point, we got a couple hours left. But like, so Kim is obviously now in a room with multiple guns and grenades and a serial rapist. That's that that one's there. Marie is still on an airfield that contains Jack Bauer and murderous Jack Bowers. That I mean that's just that's her cross to bear. Um, where do you think those are gonna like? How do you see those things coming to a head right now? Well, so they haven't brought in Papa Warner yet. So we can't get all the Warners together to annoy me fully for an episode. So <laughs> I feel like Marie's going to make it out of the airfield along with the, the nuke. And they'll find a, a place to try to detonate it a different way. I I, I don't know. I Oh, God, it's so terrible. Like if it was just the colonel and the nuke, I'd be fine. but. Add Marie in, and I just get really bummed. It's sad. Yeah. Um, we're gonna find out who there's gonna be another mole because somebody has to be telling what telling Corsic what's going on, as well as the terrorists. Uh, so I, I think something's something's happening still inside the government itself. Um, I hope the colonel is someone that we know. Um, so the Law and Order theory works for me on this one. I hope it's someone I've seen in other things before. If it's Ice T, that's perfect. Uh, I'll take Mercy oh, Harte yeah, for sure. Actually, as as the co- as Colonel Sanders, Samuel. Oh, what a, what a <laughs> okay. your name is? I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no. Um, but I want a big bad setup in the next couple episodes. It's gonna get really boring because we're at the point now where it's like, okay, we we're still searching for a bomb, and now Kim is trapped by not a cougar, which is interesting, but a, a dude again. So it's last season, but minus Terry. So yay. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm not looking forward to the next episode. It's not great. Um, <laughs> how do you... So Marie Warner... Mm-hmm. So she, obviously she kind of sent Omar off to get dead. Yeah. Um, where do you think she goes from here? And why didn't Omar have a uh, a cyanide tablet or some kind of escape plan? Yeah, Omar did not have the luxury of... Like, he just had to get shot and then go to jail for life. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was willing to die for I his guess, cause, man. I guess because his mission was to... <laughs> I guess because his mission was to be exploded yeah. in a nuclear blast. He was like, well, right, but after they knew he had the, I mean, after they sent him off with a decoy, like, they had to know that he was going to get caught, right? No, they could have thought that he may flo- have flown away and get blown up in the sky. I don't know. I mean, I, this one definitely seems like kind of a last second sort of decision. There's more, I think it was mostly just like, he didn't get a cyanide capsule, which was like, he was always supposed to die, and then they called an audible at the last second. But so were Syed and Ali and and his his partner. They were all they were in L.A. They were gonna die when the bomb went off. And they still had Syed Ali tablets. was. Someone tells me Syed Ali was supposed to get the fuck out of there because he had at least two hours to leave L.A. Which I don't know how traffic works. <laughs> Probably not enough time to get. Well, if you take the four hundred five to the ten, you might not get out in time. <laughs> you know how you get out. You don't know. Well, fellas, I think that's going to do it for us tonight on uh, The Longest Days of Our Lives. Thank you for joining me. Um, Everyone, uh, Curtis had some audio issues, so I'm just going to help close this out and kick it over to Michael here in a second. But if you like this show, you can find out more information at uh, goodbuddymedia.com. You can also find out more information on our sister show, which uh, Michael and I do every week, uh, occasionally Curtis, uh, called uh, Trends in Low Places, where we talk about stupid internet stories, uh, whatever's happening in our lives, and uh, really just our big dumb idiots. Um, So yeah, if you like this show, you'll probably almost certainly like that one. It's 
pretty similar uh, brands of humor. Um, if you want to drop us a line, you can also reach us at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We read every single message we get. Uh, we love hearing from our fans. So if you want to have us read a message on air to a fellow listener or share a uh, theory about the show or just try to stump Curtis or, you know what, even share your favorite view of Tom Hanks. Uh, shoot us an email. We read everything we get, and we love to hear from our fans. Um, and, uh, you know, also, if you have a moment, please uh, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast app of uh, choice you use. And, uh, you know, why don't you go ahead and uh, leave us a review or a rating? Uh, that's how we uh, kind of move up the charts and, as Curtis always says, become a podcast juggernaut. But, uh, you know, we really appreciate our fans giving us some kind words and helping spread the word. So whether it's a review on a uh, your favorite podcatcher or just uh, telling a friend about this show or trends in the places we uh, really appreciate it and uh, Michael how else can people help us out yeah you can find us at Twitter and Facebook at uh, L dual cast L D O O L cast uh, and please when you see us post something on there please give us a retweet or a share um, or a comment tell us what you like what you don't like uh, we love hearing from you guys, and if you have a an awesome theory about what's going on, or you want to just, you know, dunk on somebody on the show, uh, you know, feel free to give us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail dot com. Anyway, fellas, we're running out of time. Toodles.